Hi, and welcome to In Gear, a podcast about marketing, marketing technology, and really anything else that comes up in conversation. In Gear is produced by Message Gears, a customer marketing technology provider serving radically different software used by the world's largest brands. We hope you enjoy the show. Here are your hosts, India Waters and Nick Zeke Lopez. And right. thank you everybody for listening. Okay, did you really? That's that's All the right. intro. That's the <laughs> intro. Thank you everyone uh, for tuning in to this episode of In Gear. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Nick Zeke Lopez, and today I'm joined by India Waters, uh, who will not take an ice pack off of her face. Yes, this week, listeners, I have what seems to be a poison ivy on my face. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. just seems to be. Is that is that a uh, uh, was that We're medically not sure. diagnosed? No. Okay. No, not yet by a doctor. Uh, we have a teledoc yeah. appointment a little later tonight, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, you should tell a doc that uh, you have poison ivy on your face. Um, and, and that's, you do roll in the grass a lot. Um, I've often said that, um, joined by two, I would, I dare to say rashless guests today. Um, uh, and, uh, from a a recent (laughs) webinar, although I can't confirm that, uh, uh, we have Alex and Rachel, uh, uh, Rachel, could you introduce yourself first? Yeah. Hi, I'm Rachel. I do identify as rashless. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a lot of different forms. Yeah, I guess <laughs> in terms of like skin rashes, I am, you know, sometimes I act rashly, but you never know. Uh, yeah. So my name is Rachel Bradley Costs. A little bit of background. Started out of school uh, at Cisco, really focused on data analytics, moved over to Heroku where I met the magnificent Alex Dovenmill, as you'll hear him pronounce his name later. And did a whole bunch of magic there, moved over to Mattermost, did some more magic there in terms of data warehouse, scalable analytics, go-to-market automation, data warehouse first, all of the above, and recently just started a consulting company with Alex. Yes, and I'm Alex Dovenmill. Um, look up my name. You'll love it. That's great. Uh, but... Yeah, so my background, uh, basically full stack developer for a long time. I joined Heroku like six years ago, I guess now, um, and really ended up taking over all the data warehouse, data engineering, uh, teamed up with Rachel and we like crushed all the data warehouse, go-to-market operations, analytics, all the stuff in between there. Um, We decided to take the band on the road about 14 months ago to Mattermost, like she mentioned. And then now, now we're here doing big time data consulting, trying to take to even more companies like the way that we see data and how to really leverage the data that your organization has and make it actually like valuable, I think is our main goal. Yeah, awesome. Well, you kind of covered what was going to be one of our initial questions is sort of like, how did you get here? What's your career path look like? Is there anything else you wanted to throw throw into the mix of, you know, how'd you get here? Specifically, why did you guys decide to start a company together? Like, what was it that, that made you yeah. want to take that jump? I think what ended up happening was that, um, you know, we basically took the playbook from Roku, uh, When we joined Mattermost at the time, they really didn't have anything. I mean, they kind of had a data warehouse, but nobody was really maintaining it and nobody was really looking at the data. Um, And so we really took that to a, you know, self-serve and like brought a lot more data in 
um, help with all that stuff. And so based on that experience, we're like, okay, you know, here's a, I guess, what what are they, Series B at the time? Like, you know, relatively large, you know, 100-person company or whatever. Um, You know, it's like, okay. So then we started talking to some other companies and we were engaged with like Rudderstack and some other companies. And, you know, what we realized is like, everybody has this problem. Everybody has all this data all over the place. They don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to like organize it or, you know, basically like their data engineers end up just chasing down data quality issues and they don't actually like get to what you really want to get to, which is like that actionable, valuable data. Um, And so like the more we started talking to people, it was just like, wow, like we could totally, like not only do we just love doing this stuff, like that's just kind of our thing. but there's so many people who could use what we do, like what we can provide. Um, that's, and so, I mean, it, it's the kind of thing where it's like, you can't not do it, I think is what we ended up feeling because for a while we were like, eh, maybe we won't, maybe we will. You that, know, and then, by the way, thing. by the way, that's exactly us with this podcast as well. You can't yeah. not do, people deserve to hear this. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, Alex went the serious route. Normally I'm the one that has to go the the serious route and Alex is just chilling, letting me do the spiel. I was going to say, I wanted to create an operating agreement so that Alex had to be friends with me moving forward. You know, my biggest fear was losing my, uh, my other half, my other work half. So, you know, now we have a legal contract, so he can't abandon me. What was the prenup on like that, that, yeah we got lawyers and everything it was yeah. pretty cool though going uh-huh. through it i feel like starting a company especially with someone else you would know pretty early on whether or not you were gonna be good with that person because you have to start talking about if you're not doing your job what is defined as doing your job and if you don't have the same approach to life it becomes very clear during those conversations but it, it was pretty cool yeah, I, uh, my, my wife, uh, I almost said current wife, my wife used to be girlfriend, used to be girlfriend. So currently she is my wife. Uh, we started dating when we were long distance. And when you start long distance, it's, it's the same. It's, I imagine it's the exact same thing of like, all right, so let's get the serious stuff out of the way. Cause I don't want to waste <laughs> my time for a bunch of months. And then it turns out that you hate dogs or something. I don't know. Oh gosh, yeah. I know that'd be terrible. That would end a relationship for me too. Yeah. Rachel has to have dogs. Mm-hmm. And she loves but people the, with dogs. So, in the first at least five seasons of Sunny, Always Sunny has to be watched before those. Yeah, right. yeah. before yeah, bed exactly. every night. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've watched it like at least three or four times all the way through. We now play this game where we say like, "Okay, give me two numbers," and the first one's the season, and the second number is the episode, and then we go to it and we're like, "Good or bad choice?" And they're like, mm, "Bad choice." Try again. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I used to have a math tutor who memorized every Seinfeld episode by number. And he'd like call out to his wife. He'd be like, honey, episode 213 is on. And they'd be like, (laughs) super (laughs) weird. Uh, Anyways, okay. (laughs) So the next next question I have is, and I know y'all sort of talked about this a little bit on the the webinar, uh, but kind of jumping into what we're here for today is, Describe what like a warehouse first approach looks like. Um, and remember me, I'm like maybe like a middle school, high school level. <laughs> we'll, we'll give you the high school level. Oh, cool. Great. Yeah. Wow. Really over. Yeah, oh, man. 
that's gonna be harder to think about how to describe that to a high school are you like a, a a tech nerdy high school or like a cool kid yeah. rock yeah. are you in the av club or like yeah are you smoking like, cigarettes behind the dumpster or okay, are you like I'm, a theater person that's singing to themselves in the courtyard i'm gonna speak to who i am like today so i would say like it, today i you know maybe i was on the av like club like maybe i got a little bit of like the background there and maybe knew a little bit about like data warehouses and platforms. Um, but me back in the day, Ooh, maybe I was sort of like a volleyball sports person. So man, I definitely wouldn't have gotten it back then. Oh man. I still I mean, don't know how I'm going to apply this, but okay. Uh, okay. If you're no, speaking no, to like maybe a marketer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Alex, do you want to hit this or do you want Yeah, to no, I can't. I'll try. Well, I'll try and then you can uh, you can fill in the gaps for me. Yeah, I'm um, like really struggling to find an analogy. It's just, give me a second. You go, Alex. Yeah, basically the way I think about it is you have data all over the place and you have things like, oh, when somebody visits your website, like where are they coming from? Um, if you have like a mobile app or whatever, like, how are they using the mobile app? How many times a day do they log in? Like, is it Facebook? Like, how long are they freaking scrolling through their feed or whatever? And like, how many like things do they like? And, you know, how many things do they comment on? And just, you know, everything, right? And each one of those kind of events or even just pieces of data can be valuable if you can unlock the value of it. Um, so it might not be very valuable to say like, oh, well, this person on this day clicked this button. That doesn't really mean anything in context. But if you can then tell a story with the data by putting a bunch of data together, then that's where you can really have some impact. And so warehouse first approach is like, let's first get all this data from all over the place that we have into one place, which we'll call the data warehouse. And then, so you get that into the warehouse first, ha, uh, uh, and then um, you transform that data. And really what we mean by transform is, in my mind is, let's put all that data together um, and start like co-mingling it from all your different systems that you might have. So it's like, oh, you have data about the website, you have data about the app, you have data like billing data from Stripe or whatever. You have all this data all over the place. It's like, if you can actually tell a story with that data and enrich all the things, then you can take that data and either A, like show it to somebody on like a visualization tool like Looker or Metabase or whatever. And like somebody can be like, oh, hey, like we're getting more signups or this thing's trending good or, you know, whatever it happens to be. And then the other side of it is how can then, how can you then take that transformed data and start pushing it out to your other services like Salesforce or HubSpot or Amplitude or Intercom, you know, I mean, there's a gazillion of them, right? Um, and by having all that stuff in the warehouse first, you can give a um, accurate state of the world to all these third-party tools where they don't each have a different like story that they're telling. Like somebody runs a report in Salesforce and says, Hey, this guy is getting this much money, but in another tool, it's some other number because you know it's coming from two different yeah. places. Because you have the whole picture at that point. Exactly. Cool. Okay, I got my analogy. This is All very right, let's great. Let's see it. Let's see okay. it. Okay. Okay. So you're in high school. 
you're a young woman, you have a crush, right? And you go to all these different places to stalk him, right? So you're like looking at his Facebook, you go to his cousin's boyfriend's interest to understand, you know, all these different things. Maybe you go to his mom's Facebook to figure out more about the family situation. If there's any family drama, you can like hook on to who his friends are, all this different information interests, and you gather it all in your brain. So that basically, no matter what interaction you go to, if you see him or if you have a scenario, you can use this information with the right context to apply it to win him over. And so it's like kind of like you store it all in your brain versus if you were just to go look at his Instagram and maybe he's one of those people that doesn't really post his real life. It's all facade. You're going to be acting on that. But you could go to Facebook where it's like, you know, his mom's posting about his hopes and dreams and childhood fears. You're going to know that that's a facade over there. And you're going to know, hmm. He's trying to hide something. He has a sensitive side. I should use that. So like, if you only use one piece of information, then you're kind of assuming it is the truth, but it's not. And now you kind of gather it all and you say, okay, now I really know how to engage with this person. I have been doing it all wrong. This is why I'm single. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, no, you start with the fears and you don't even get those right. You just go up to people and be like, you, you know, isn't it weird that you can't look up right now? And they're like, no, that only happens when you're sleeping. Um, Mm. No, Rachel, I actually think that was, uh, uh, I I like that because it's, it's not warehouse first because we care about the warehouse and it's not warehouse first because necessarily because it's, it's less expensive, but like if by getting everything all in the one place at one time, you could almost quarterback the process a little bit better there by like saying who gets what and is it all the same? Mm-hmm. Um, but so, you know, I, I'm interested a little bit of like, all right, so this feels like an obvious idea, right? It feels obvious in, in the way that you're describing it. Um, sorry, India, I, I understand that you're still single, but like for the rest of us, we know just like, don't like only go into somebody's Instagram. Um, but like, <laughs> But why, so this, I wouldn't say it's fairly new, but but I want to say that there's a set of data or architectural patterns that are emerging, emerging that we're calling warehouse first. Uh, what's changed in the past few years that uh, I would say is, is is changing this up? Or has this always just been the pattern and it's like faster now? Mm, I think a lot of it, um, the tools for dealing with large amounts of data have been getting better and better over time. And we've sort of hit that inflection point where it's more than just like, oh, you know, the uh, data engineer guy who's on the cutting edge knows about this. It's like now everybody kind of knows, like, you know, Snowflake just IPO'd or whatever, right? So it's like people are starting to like know about these things. And also like the tools themselves are easy to use where you don't have to have, you know, like a team of PhDs to run your data warehouse, you know, to make it valuable, right? Um, and so that's, I think, you know, I mean, even, you know, you had like Redshift, you got BigQuery, you got Snowflake, and, you know, you can even get to like the Spark and Databricks and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's just been made a lot easier. I mean, when we first joined Heroku, their data warehouse, we were literally running that on a giant Postgres database. And I mean, you know, eventually- You don't even know how much that cost us. Oh yeah, let's not even get into how beast that machine was. Um, uh, and you know, eventually you run into the scalability issues. You just can't handle the amount of data that you really need to be able to handle. But then we ended up moving that one to Redshift, um, which has pros and cons. But at Mattermost, we went with Snowflake, and 
you know, what's nice about that is by, you know, decoupling the storage from the compute, blah, 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 right? You can jam as much data into that thing as you want. And, you know, provided you use like a decent sized warehouse, depending on what you're trying to do, like, I mean, you can run queries over billions and billions of records and your performance is like pretty good. And it's not, you know, it's not a big deal. Um, yeah, so. I mean, to that point, even that that's not necessarily, you know, so we're releasing a timeline of the modern data warehouse in, I don't know when this podcast is dropping, but sometime in the future, it may already be out, it may not. Um, and uh, that's, you know, in 2014, Netflix uh, said they analyzed 10 uh, petabytes of data using Presto. So Presto, another file, mm-hmm. uh, file-based uh, storage service. Is it really the packaging of these kinds of solutions that has gotten better? Or is it, have the, have the, has the underlying query engine on top of like a file-based storage system improved? Uh, well, I think it's both. I mean, you know, I, like, I always hate the term big data because I feel like unless you're Netflix and you're doing petabytes of data, like you're not really big data, right? Like yeah. that's when you really need to break out those If you PhDs have to tell someone things. that you're doing big data, you're not. Exactly. Yeah. Like people will know. Um, I mean, I think there's like, it's also the uh, sort of tool ecosystem around some of this stuff too, right? Like getting data into your data warehouse has become a lot easier where you're not having to, you know, run like just custom ETL stuff all the time. And, you know, you have a team of data engineers who just make sure it's not failing. You know, like there's tools out there that, you know, can actually scale and you just run them and they just work and you don't really think about it anymore. Um, And then, you know, recently on the other side of that, you know, with like all the reverse ETL tools that are like the hot new thing, you know, it's like, I think that's sort of where the focus is of other people, but it's like, piecing together this architecture has really become, you know, relatively straightforward. uh, And you don't need, you know, I I mean, I find it like, it's like ease of use and maintainability and operability, like those kind of things factor in, I think a lot more than sometimes people want to think like when you're building like some new cutting edge tool and you're, you know, you're some really technical, really smart person. It's like, well, this is so easy. Anybody could do this, but it's like, no, nah, man, not anybody could do this. Like, you know, yeah. as the tools, the UX and things improve, that's where I think like, that's where you get the real adoption. Yeah, see, I, I think it's, I agree with that. I think it's also a methodology thing now because you're no longer allowing these different teams to only report on their own stuff. They're expected to report on the impact of the business. And so now all of a sudden you're getting marketing, having to prove something that they impacted in a completely different system. And so all of a sudden you're trying to do analysis across data from different tools and whatnot. And so it's like, you know, yes, Marketo and Salesforce talk to each other, but you're living within the constraints of how those tools talk to each other and the analysis that's able to be done in those tools. And Salesforce is meant for sales and CS and a little bit of marketing, but it's mostly just on like, where do I live? How do I close deals? Not, hey, how did all of these web analytics from Google flow into, you know, a Marketo system or a form fill and then into Salesforce and so on. It's like all of those things would never be able to be reported in a scalable way in each of those tools separately. And so now you're starting to say, okay, well, where can I start to compare across all these different things and then the product? And it's like, well, duh, there's really only one tool for that. You need to throw in a data warehouse or a data lake Mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it. Right. So it's kind of like it, 
was very lucky, I think, that some of this methodology changed once the warehouses were ready, because otherwise it would have been terrible. Well, well, to that point, we're seeing almost a competing evolution, both right in data storage usage and as well as like, I have to say this, but like the organization, right? Think of the rise of the chief data officer, right? Mm-hmm. Five, 10 years ago, there, you didn't really have chief data officers that fell into the CTO, CIO. Um, do you guys have, like, how often do you interface with, with, in data first organizations with chief data officer types or, and, and is it that person's call what this looks like, or is this the CTO in many organizations? I would actually say for us, it's been mostly underneath like a COO organization role, because you start to think about how the business operates as a whole and data is so central to that. You start to think about where is the neutral party in a company? Right. And Mm -hmm. so if you end up putting it in product, if you don't have like a chief data officer, which I still feel like on the rise, if you put underneath product, it could be very skewed towards product and not as much about the go to market motion. And so you end up getting a lot of analytics on, oh, how are people using our product, but not how is it impacting sales? How is it impacting retention, marketing, all of those things? So honestly, from my perspective, Alex might have a different perspective. It's been underneath the COO role because of the fact it needs to remain neutral, it needs to be there for the betterment of the entire company versus one or the other. If you go too far towards sales and all of a sudden it just becomes about how do we calculate it to make it look like we have more money or to do those things, not really what's happening. So that's my perspective. Yeah, I think the other thing that we've seen is, um, and this has kind of been a new thing too, is like the chief revenue officer type role, like RevOps as a thing. You know, Mm -hmm. you start to see like... And they're sort of coming at it from the angle of, you know, I have all this marketing stuff that I want to do. Like, how do I track and make sure that that's, you know, how my campaigns are doing or whatever. And then also, you know, once that translates to the sales, I I need to like see how are my marketing campaigns influencing my sales pipeline and, you know, are those sales actually being closed and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, and in that model, it's getting pushed for or owned by the people that might use it the most. Going back to your picture example. Yeah, I think the thing for me that I don't love about that, though, honestly, and this is something that we've been talking about with some of our clients that are making decisions around Mm. hierarchy and where data lives is that you end up driving a huge gap between product and revenue. Like, if Mm. you don't have a neutral place, people are just going to go off on their own and products going to care just about what products doing. And how does it impact adoption of a product? And not necessarily how does that impact our existing customers or growing pipelines? You end up getting this massive gap between the two things. And it's very hard to connect back if you lose that connection because different priorities and whatnot. So it's, I don't know if I love them being underneath the revenue officer just because I think it skews too far to one side. And that's why I also don't love it being underneath product because then it skews way too far to the other side. So it's like, how do you keep that in the middle and keep those two very critical parts connected? Yeah. And I think like what we're trying to do is be able to prove value to both sets of people and really all the people in the company, you know, because like people will use a tool if they find it valuable. Right. And if they don't, they won't. Right. So, I mean, you know, if you can show like the revenue person, like, Hey, look at all this, like, tracking that I can do, da, 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 da. And then, you know, for the product person, it's like, and we can also do all this cool stuff that shows like what features involve, you know, like what features people are using, how are they using it and all that kind of stuff. And so hopefully like, we're trying to like transform, have people like buy into our philosophy of like this data-driven organization where like 
it's not just little pockets of people that are looking at this data, but it's really like everybody. Yeah, that's helpful. So like, I mean, I think you sort of started to answer my question that I was going to have, but like, if you're working with uh, someone that's more in charge of like the product, you're trying to show them like they're thinking about features. And then if you're working with someone on the other side, they're trying to look at what, like, if you had to speak for the other side, if you're working more on one or the other, if you're trying to like, what are you asking them? Like, what are you like? Oh, but don't forget to like include this for the product team. Like, are you trying to like, make sure like when you're working on these products, like what, how do you speak for the other people that aren't involved? Like, how do you try to make sure that those questions aren't missed or like that data or whatever you're trying to prove out? Like, how do you do that? <laughs> well, it is tricky. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Um, I guess, I guess the question is for the layperson, me, like, I'm not sure what product is trying to get out of like a warehouse first approach or what, um, you know, analytics is trying to get out of a warehouse first approach. Like what, what are you proving out in those instances? Well, at least from my perspective, um, like I think about it from products. So they care a lot about product utilization, product adoption, testing out these new features and saying, hey, I launched something or I made a change. Is there more adoption than there previously was? And that's great. But if, for example, they're launching features that were not requested by our biggest vendors, then it means nothing to us. And so I think the biggest thing is connecting those dots and saying, here's what our current customers who spend money with us that are paying our paychecks care about and are doing. So if they're not even spending any time in the current area that you're investing development in, that's probably a waste of time. So it's kind of starting to connect those dots by saying, here's our biggest paying customers. Here's what they're doing in the product. This is why you should invest in these areas. And on the product side, one thing that we have been spending a lot of time on is trying to figure out how to have better onboarding for these customers and getting more feedback. So I think that's kind of the way I approach it, at least for really working on product prioritization using data that way. Um, Alex, I don't know what you have to add to that. No, and that's super helpful. I think like I'm definitely more of like a giving you specific examples learner and that that's that's really yeah. helpful. Well, and, and just, just from my example too, right? I used to work at a, a Capital One credit card company, right? Think about product management to Capital One. It's like, what literally what credit cards are we offering to which people? In that case, and there's a, so and so to to correct you know I would say to answer that question if you get that wrong, you have now lost hundreds of millions of dollars right and you're doing the March Madness commercials on top of it all, um, but uh, uh, and uh, uh, what's his name is not coming back not uh, who who is the guy that did the I would they've got all the ads I forget it but um, so like they're they're looking at like what is the most amount of data I can make to make this decision to say if your credit score or whatever whatever the things they're looking at mm. are in these different ranges quite frankly, we can be, you know, uh, uh, you know, NPV positive in however long. Yeah. The other thing I would say is that, uh, you know, the more data that surfaced to sales as a team, uh, whether it's while they're paying or before they're paying, you can also then start to say, Hey, it appears that you've been using these features, but you haven't done this. We also know that a lot of people would see this benefit. So we do have this one product project that our old company did, which was admin advisor. And it would basically say, hey, you have more than 500 people. You haven't signed up for SSO. This is something we recommend. Feel free to reach out to sales. And so those types of things also help sales. But it's kind of one of those things where product knows how people should be using the product. And they have to work with sales to say, here's the features. Here's how you should read this data. So it's just kind of back and forth of communicating. But I think the hardest thing is if you don't have numbers to back it up, 
everyone's mm-hmm. basing it off of assumptions and there's not going to be as much trust in those situations. So I almost feel like data forces them to have those conversations and set a baseline for expectations. Yeah. And that was a lot of buzzwords right there. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, it sets a benchmark for realistic for big data execution. (laughs) I think we should circle back by the end of the day. Oh my gosh. Wait, real quick. You know, Alex and I back to the webinar when you put cohesion on the slide, Alex and I always laugh about how big of a buzzword cohesion is. People and so it. he messaged me at that time and was like, cohesion. Cohesion. It, it absolutely works. Uh, that and insights. What I'll say is um, <laughs> I, re- I found out today and, I, and, and it, that in the first, I think, in the first week of working with our designer at Message, and I don't remember saying this. This is not a thing I would ever say. Okay, so like when I talk about a thing that happened, I don't believe it actually happened, but she swears that we were talking about something and I asked her and I told her that something needed to pop more. Talking oh to our, our visual designer. And I was like, I would never, I would never say that. But, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I think I say a lot of things I don't remember. Um, so, uh, uh, and, and so also, Rachel, going into your example uh, of product versus revenue, India being on the growth team and myself being on the product, the podcast is the only place we don't fight. Um, it's basically staying together for the kids at this point. Uh, uh, all, all the other places we fight at. Um, so another question I want to move on to is, uh, you know, the, the idea of warehouse first, right? It's all in the same place. Can, can one of you guys, you know, you mentioned Spark, Alex. How is this, we're seeing from, a, I think, a technology perspective, a lot of the industry moving towards streaming. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I like to think of it as a spectrum, right? Companies that are very change, that, that will jump into changes uh, if, if it can boost revenue or maybe decrease operational cost are almost abandoning the warehouse for streams as slower moving industries, banking and healthcare, are starting to get onto the warehouse. Um, can you tell me how this warehouse first design of having the whole picture in your head at once, which I liked, jives with you know streaming individual data sources in real time? Yeah, no, I, I think the whole streaming thing has been something that's been like the top of my mind for a while. Um, and, and again, that that's another thing that I think is starting to come down to the technology maturing and allowing streaming processing to happen. Um, in a relatively easy to use format and scalable too. Um, and so the way I've actually been thinking about it is like, it's like, okay, great. You're gonna have streaming data from, let's say your product or I don't know, maybe your website, I guess, but you know, mostly it's probably gonna be from your product, but you're missing all the context of everything else about that customer, right? So it's like, how do you combine And I think this is where things are going to start getting interesting is like, how do you combine the sort of state of that customer, like from all your different sources, Stripe and, you know, all the marketing or whatever, just like, how do you take that customer data and then pair it with the streaming data and then actually do something useful with it, which could be things like, you know, um, I'm starting to think about things like, you know, sort of like real-time marketing or having things in the product that, you know, it'll be like, oh, we noticed that you're doing this or like you're having, it seems like you're having trouble with this. And it's like, 
here's some things you right. can do or whatever like that. And, and real quick, I realized we never did this uh, uh, in 20 seconds. Can you give us, uh, what do we mean when we say streaming data? What is a data stream? How is it, what, is, what, is, what is that? So a stream, <laughs> a stream of data is basically like, I mean, gosh, how am I not going to make this technical? Uh, and, and if you want to pass off to Rachel and, uh, and give another high well, school example. Yeah, I was going to say, I can dumb this down because I don't even fully understand it. I'll just give you a concept of what I think. Okay. Instead of having five events occur and they just sit in a place, say I go and I click a button like five times and instead of having it sit there and then, you know, every 15 seconds, it sends all the different things, you know, it, each individual event will come over as it occurs. And so it's like, rather than having, I don't know. Yeah. Like the five clicks, you know, you picture it as if like your screen's frozen, you yeah. do five clicks and it has to wait. And then it comes over. It's like each time you click it, something will come. So like rather than having to wait around the schedule, this is my understanding. It's probably completely wrong, which is going to be terrible for my career. Uh, <laughs> instead of having to wait, it just like each one comes over as it is ready. And so it's just yeah. like, here you go. It's like flowing like water instead of like a mm -hmm. bucket, right? It's like, here we go. It's a shower instead of a bucket where you got to fill your bucket and then dump it. It's a shower. Like a stream. Go. No, I, I, and yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Jay, to your point, being on this podcast is, is, is already enough damage to your career. Do not worry. Oh uh, my goodness. I know. Uh, yeah. And, and we'll, and we'll have to have you guys back uh, later on a Q based, Q based versus stream based architecture and the limitations both. But, um, but, but, and by the way, I, I want to finish, finish up before our lightning round here. Um, but, uh, last question for, for each of you, I want each of you to answer, um, uh, in, in maybe a, a minute or so looking forward in the data, data marketing, data architecture, uh, space, what excites you? What do you think the future looks like? Is it, what are you seeing out there that you think that once it either is possible or once it starts to get adoption, you think will really be cool, really change things? Uh, I'll go first. I I know you're gonna steal all the ones. I know you oh, are. Oh well, it's fine. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. you know. I'll come back in with like the sloppy seconds uh, or whatever's left over. So I think one of the most interesting things I've been keeping my eye out uh, is Materialize, which is essentially like a SQL wrapper over streams. And um, what I think could get really interesting with that is. I think by now most people are using dbt for their data transformations and it's like if you could you know everybody you know when you're doing your dbt you can set your models to be incremental and it's like okay i need to like write some sql that's like okay take everything you know past the latest data that i have and jam it into this new table and do that kind of thing but it's like well what if you could instead of having to do that like you just define your dbt model and it just stays up to date all the time and you don't have to do anything and then you think about like layering on top you know all these aggregations that could be really expensive and take forever to compute and all this stuff and it's like well if materialize can like automatically update all um your models you know from top to bottom in like real time with you know good performance and all that it's like well i mean that would just be you know because then it's not like you know, somebody is like, hey, I'm looking at this report in Looker and it doesn't have, you know, the data's messed up or whatever. And you're like, oh, I got to go kick off this DBT job to update it. But if it's like, if it was real time with Materialize, it's like, 
you know that it's up to date, like to the second, basically. So is it kind of what the promise of Kinesis Analytics was, but almost to the to the enterprise of like, yeah, because of, uh, Kinesis uh, Analytics, right? A bit of duplicative data, that buffer that you store, it's expensive. The queries are hard to write. It's only just blowing that out and without using like a proprietary service like that, just yeah. almost on anything. Yeah, and I mean, and exactly, and I mean, the other thing is like, you know, basing everything, especially around data, I think DBT made the right call with this too, is like, if you can build on top of SQL, you know, everybody's familiar with that, right? Like you can have any analytics engineer, data engineer, like they can whip up some SQL and get going where, you know, like you said, if you have like this proprietary thing that only connects to like this other proprietary thing, well, yeah. well, it's just we, not going to be as usable. Which, which, and then on the other hand, you have the rise of Looker and Look ML, which they purposely don't use SQL, which we could talk about sometime other. I think it was a brilliant decision, but I also don't get it. Rachel, what do, what are you excited <laughs> about? I mean, I'm a Looker fangirl, so watch out with those statements there. Um, but also, no, I mean, I Alex knows the other day I probably stayed up way too late, but then again, I go to bed really early, so I, by way too late, I stay up till like 11:30. Uh, watching different differential data flows, which is what Materialize is built on top of. So it's just like, like we talk about, I think it's kind of the rise of this thing that PhDs used to be able to do this, or like we're really experimenting with it, was not approachable for the average day person. And now you're all of a sudden saying, okay, cool. I have no idea how this math works, nor do I ever care to find out, but you're telling me I can write SQL and this will be the most powerful thing ever. Like, that's great. Cool. Sign me up. So I love that. So Alex, I knew you were going to go with that one. So I had to think of something else. I love the idea of like all these integrations in and out of the warehouse just being seamless, right? So we were just on a call and it was talking about how, oh, you have to time your jobs to run based off of when you think the sinks are going to finish bringing the data in and then you got to run your jobs and then you got to send it out based off when you think the jobs are going to be done. And so now you start to think about how do you build everything around DBT how do you say this is where your data is coming from and trigger DBTs to run based off of the most recent time all of the sources have arrived and then model your data and then send it out to your third party? Or then, for example, for you all, it's like, when do I know when to actually go and run and pull this data for my most recent marketing campaigns, right? So it's like, you don't want to pull it five seconds before, you know, mm -hmm. it's done running. Yeah. Then you're like, cool, like, thanks for waiting. Um, so it's just super annoying. And then when you start to think about how this data is coming in, and it's very templated. If you know all of your third parties and you know where you're going to send it or what you want to do with it, then all of a sudden you start to realize, well, there's not that much customization in here. Why are these just not talking to each other through our data warehouse? So I think Alex and I have been talking a lot about templating a lot of these things and how do you enable some customization to support that, but mostly just plug and chug and kind of replacing ourselves in the long run honestly it, we did our job great if we can replace ourselves see that's that's why i mean need to do a podcast because computers just aren't funny yet and uh, no no i i like i like that look of it that's you we're not calling ourselves funny we just feel like this needed to go somewhere because we were spending a lot of time fighting about work and product versus sales and marketing <laughs> so we needed to put it somewhere um, 
Okay, y'all, this is the part of the podcast where we actually like to call you guys, y'all contestants, not guests of the podcast. So um, we're going to run with that for the rest of the podcast. Oh, are we competing against each other? (laughs) No, but I just like, I feel like this has more of like a game show vibe to it than like, welcome as guests. We are welcome as contestants. I was like Um, ready to like get in a power stance and like roll. Like, where's my buzzer? Like position on the podcast. All right, do I need to go to standing desk? mode Ooh, that would be exciting um okay but so in the lightning round we're gonna have a few questions each of you are gonna eat, answer both of them but just like as quickly as possible like one word answers doesn't have to have a lot of thought and that's why it's the oh. lightning round oh, yeah. um and just for you um rachel's gonna answer the question first and then and then alex is gonna go yes so yeah <laughs> so rachel Maybe. um no yeah right <laughs> we, we gotta get we gotta get uh, we gotta time this yeah. Wait, okay, uh, so I'm okay. Okay, wait. So, so, but, so I go the first questions. each time. I go first yeah. each time. Oh, that so and I'll say your name. Yes. I'm gonna say like the question, <laughs> and then I'll say Rachel. You go. Um, but the way that they're structured. So I have one question that's sort of like a question for Rachel and Alex, like the person, and then the second one will be more like uh, work focused. Um, so oh, that's okay. how they're structured. Oh, it's yes. sort of a take on the Proust questionnaire that. Um, like in the back of Vogue, doesn't matter where it came from, um, but it's a take on that. <laughs> okay, great. Are you timing it, Nick? <laughs> I'm. I, when you start going, the timer will start. All right, we're starting now. Um, Rachel, which words or phrases do you most overuse? Can I answer uh, for her? Let me circle. Let me. Go, I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. Go <laughs> she likes. She always says whatnot. Ooh. And the, oh, do I? Yeah, you do. Why not? Oh. And now, Alex, what, oh. what word or phrase would you most ever use? Uh, Gucci. Yeah, Gucci. It's for sure Gucci. Yeah. Gucci. Yeah, we even added. Yeah, we even added that emoji in Slack because it's just our go-to. Mm-hmm. I love that. So this is the like work spin on it, Rachel. What words or phrases in our current data buzzwords that you? can't stand so we were literally already talking about this oh can't stand see you should have had alex go first in these now it's trusting you alex go first go first all right uh i'm gonna go with ai Ooh. all right rachel i say this one all the time but i hate when people say data driven because most of the time when people say data driven they are not data driven <laughs> Yes. All right. So we're going to switch it now. Alex, you can go first now. Okay. So again, Perfect. this is a new question. What is, <laughs> this is definitely straight up from what's your current state of mind? Like if you could say it in one word. Gucci. Yes. <laughs> Rachel. Uh, passion, ecstatic, ecstatic. Ooh, yeah. I love it. And so this is like yeah. your work focused one, Alex, what's the current state of your work desk? Oh, you don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. Rachel? <laughs> Tidy. I cleaned Ooh, it yesterday. Nice. Yeah, I cleaned it yesterday. It was not. Before. I think that's a metaphor for how we work together. I think I think your state of your work desk is definitely a metaphor for something um, going on in your mind. All right, Alex, um, which living person do you most admire? Oh. Whoever just came to your mind, anybody? <laughs> Say it. Uh, uh, admire though. Uh, 
hold on. I don't know. Go to Rachel first. Rachel. All right, we'll go with Melinda Gates. I think she's Love a it. she's a baller that doesn't let her powerful husband define her. You know, you just got to go out there and do your thing, make it your own. Yeah. I love that. Alex, do you want to skip to the next one? The I have, yeah. You yeah. have broken Alex. India. I know. I, I have know. no idea. Wow. <laughs> the moment well, when you realize you don't look up to anyone. <laughs> well, no, seriously, I was going to say Alex is Alex. Like, he picks himself every day. Yeah. The Alex tomorrow <laughs> is who he aspires to be. That's the yeah, most Gary V answer I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe this one will give you some more, um, uh, like, rules around the question, and maybe someone will come to mind. So this is the work version one of that, like, who, what living person would you most want to work with? Ooh. Hmm. Most want to work with. Man, there's a lot of people. You can't say Rachel. Yes, you can say Rachel. And if you don't say Rachel, you're wrong. No, not how well, me and Rachel are always going to work together. So yeah, that's like a given. We, we, can... we, we made that blood, that blood pack. Yeah, already. the blood pack's already signed. Because you had mentioned lawyers, not the blood Oh yeah. Well, it was a whole thing. Ritual. A whole bunch of blood. Yeah. <laughs> like far too much. We blood. had to do it. We had to sacrifice someone. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, Rachel, we don't would, talk about that. What's your answer? Who would you most like to work with? I don't know. I feel like it's hard because I don't want to say someone because all you have is like how they appear, but they could be complete a-holes, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I, I, you know, so I would say... Just, I've got, I remember a coworker I had at a job three jobs ago that like, I always wish I could get back and work with. Maybe he was my Rachel and Alex. Like I was meant to work your, with him. Your work, yeah. your workmate. Yeah. Your solo yeah. workmate. And then I moved across the country, really lost touch, but uh, the getting man. back to that magic. Dang. Wow. This guy's yeah, sad who yours you. Be? Who would um, you know what I think for both of them would so be easy. like Someone probably like funny, like someone from like an SNL writer, like Tina Fey or. Oh, uh, see, that's like way out of yeah. the box, man. I like, yeah, yeah, Tim <laughs> Robinson. Oh, yeah. Fortune, <laughs> Fortune Feimster, then. Alex knows that that is my <laughs> comedian <laughs> at heart. Like, if, but I would never get any work done. So, like, if I could have someone, a voice in the back of my head talking to me at all times, it would be her. Fortune Feimster. No, that's a good is question. Hilarious. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, mine, I'll, change, I'll add is, that is, to the one. Mine is also definitely Elizabeth Holmes. She listen, the Theranos thing almost worked. We can do it again. Oh, <laughs> wait, wait, what? What was the guy's name that did uh, what? Billy, right? That did Firefest. Billy Mays. Was his name oh, Billy? Uh, yeah, see. Yeah, the fire. Is that yeah, his yeah. name? No, uh, no Billy Mays uh, uh, showed the the. Uh, Billy Mays here. Yeah, uh, Billy McFarland. Billy McFarland. Yeah. Mm. Good time. Um. All right, so this is the last group. Um, uh, we're gonna go back to Rachel going first. What's your perfect Sunday? Ooh, okay, probably chores in the morning. Oh just like God. get them out of the way. Like I'm a clean once a day type or once a week type of person. Do that, some sort of outdoor activity, then early afternoon, beer or wine, and then trash TV the rest of the night. <laughs> nice. Alex, perfect Sunday. Uh. Well, I have two kids, so I'm going to go with sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. while Rachel, the, yes. the, the sleep instead of the chores? Yeah, I wouldn't do anything. And it would be everything that I would uh, think it would be. You're all right, last offices. question. And this is... I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do love that movie. Uh, 
Last one. What happens on like your perfect work day, Rachel? Ooh, probably no meetings besides hacking on some code with Alex. I think that's like ideal. Like when we don't have any meetings and we just get to say, oh, this is cool. You want to test this out? Let's talk through how this applies to all things you want to do. It's just, it's kind of like you're finally working for yourself. So I love that, but it's cool when you actually get to bill for it because it does help a customer, but that's always the best. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would agree with that one, but I would also say, uh, like we always like to, um, have conversations with, you know, like new clients or even people who are like working in the space or even doing a podcast like this, like anything that's sort of like, we get to engage and talk about this stuff. That's always a good day. I love it. How long did it take them? What's their lightning round coming seven in minutes, at Nick? Seven minutes, 11 seconds. Is that good? You know, are the first two people that have to yeah. answer the question. So if we cut it in half, you're doing actually pretty good there. Uh, <laughs> I think the last one was like four. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was between three and four. No, no. And, and, and it's also uh, uh, hard. I would say these were like a lot more introspective than our last ones. Uh, if you listen to the podcast with uh, Bernice Fong uh, from Sageflow, they're like very like, here's like a lighthearted question and we're going to make it about the work. And then India today was like, here's, here's what I'm going to send them. Uh, what was the worst moment of your childhood? And I was like, mm, I don't know. That's no, the, que the questions and the real questions in the first ones are, they're like, what's a quality you despise in someone? And I was like, okay, I like mix these up a little bit. Well, I would, I would have had an answer for that one super easily. I would have been like people that see the world in black and white. Oh, like that, my, that annoys me. I, I would say people that are rude to the wait staff. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's probably it. But those people see the world in black and white because they think there's better and worse. Right. So it's like mm -hmm. same yeah. people. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, hey, uh, Rachel, Alex, thank you so much uh, uh, for coming on and talking with us today. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Um, I, I hope we get to talk a little bit more. I actually really liked the idea of trying to explain concept. Uh, uh, complex, I would say, recent architectural advances in high school terms. Uh, using <laughs> so thank you very much for that, guys. <laughs> uh, just refer to me as the queen of analogies moving forward. So it's uh, fine. The queen of analogies. All right. Uh, well, and for all our listeners, thank you very much. Uh, make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. This has been In Gear. Uh, yeah, I have a question. I have a question, though. When okay. are you going to follow up with the the rash? We got to know about that on the next one. I I will fill the viewers in post this doctor's appointment tonight. Um, uh, you know what? I, I told this to Nick. I was like, look, I got to have a five-day prescription to prednisone. That, like, it's some sort of steroid, uh -huh. and it'll get knocked right out of there. So uh, I'm going to prescribe myself that, and we'll be good. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thank you everybody for listening. Um, and, and India, take us home. All right. Thanks for listening. Vroom, vroom. Bye. How to save room, vroom. This has been In Gear, a podcast from Message Gears. Please make sure to subscribe so you can get the latest episodes delivered right to wherever you listen to podcasts. And let us know how we're doing. We would love your feedback. Visit us at messagegears.com to learn more and to get in touch. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.